Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast, where it's our goal to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics in the world of residential energy ratings. So whether you're a consumer, rater, builder, realtor, appraiser, you want to hear about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and if you've listened to the podcast before, you know who I am. If after listening today, you like what you've heard, and you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk into the search bar of your favorite podcast app. As organizations grow, systems, policies, and procedures develop. Grasping the complexities of an organization can be daunting especially if you're new or at the edges of contact with the organization, may be easy to feel disconnected. Organizations like ResNet offer the ability to be part of the conversation, insisting that you have the right to speak up and offer the ability for you to make change. We're pleased to be joined today by three guests, Sharla Reed from Energy Smart Institute, Gayathri Vijayakumar from Stephen Winter Associates, and John Hensley from BPS Consultants. They are the chairs or change makers of three ResNet Standards Development Committees, or SDCs for short. Charlotte chairs the SDC 200, which oversees ResNet's education, training assessment, and certification standards, and also amending those standards. The SDC 300 is chaired by Guy3, where she oversees the technical standards related to the inspections, testing, and calculations that impact an energy rating and amending those standards. John chairs the SDC 900, where he oversees ResNet's quality assurance and sampling technical standards and amending those standards. This talented team breaks down the scope and processes involved with standards development while dispelling some of the myths and misconceptions they've run across in their roles. If you're interested in participating in a task group or joining a, an SDC, please consider filling out the application form, which is in a link in the show notes. So let's listen in to what these three fine folks have to tell us about ResNet's SDCs. So today we have with us Sharla, Gayathri, and John. And I'd like you to introduce yourselves and give a little statement about what you do now, what's your role now, obviously outside of ResNet, and a little bit about your role inside of ResNet, and then we'll dig a little deeper. Charlotte, please, first. Thank you. I'm Sharla Reed. I am the chair of SDC 200, which is the Training and Education Standards Development Committee. I am with Energy Smart Institute, which is an online educational platform. I am the person at Energy Smart Institute who creates all the training, develops all the training, delivers all the training, and does all the programming work. <laughs> I'm a do-it-all person. And you know a lot about training, so that's really a nice fit, huh? With yes, it is. Kai three, please, next. I am the current chair of SDC 300, and so we oversee ResNet's technical standards that are related to inspections, testing, and calculations that impact energy ratings. I've been at Stephen Winter Associates. We are a rating provider. I've been there for about 15 years. My background is in mechanical engineering. For a good portion of those 15 years, I've been working primarily in multifamily I also serve as a technical consultant to the EPA on behalf of their Energy Star multifamily programs. So I do a little bit of training here and there on that program. But with SEC 300, I know we'll get into it a little bit, but we oversee three different subcommittees. And so we have one for enclosures, one for equipment, and one for calculations. And basically the two standards that we're talking about 
are ANSI 301 and ANSI 380, one for the calculation for the energy rating index and one for basic performance testing, blower door, duct blaster, and ventilation airflows. Very good. A mouthful. But your business or your work, so your professional work is in inspection, testing, calculation, which all really strongly aligns with what you do for SDC. Thank you. John, please introduce yourself. Uh, John Hensley. I'm the chair of the STC 900. STC 900 is the quality assurance branch of ResNet. And we oversee uh, one subcommittee currently for sampling. We're in the current process of rewriting sampling. We have task groups that work under the uh, STC 900. They accomplish working groups and pretty much that's where the work gets done in the task groups and the subcommittees. And as far as my company, Building Performance Solutions, I'm not the president. My wife is, or a woman-owned business. I'm a quality assurance designee, and the bulk, eh, about 50% of our business is providing quality assurance for rating companies across the mid-Atlantic and to about Mississippi, from Florida to Massachusetts. And then we're also a consulting company in building science. And we provide MEP designs for single family, multifamily, and high rise under our MEP design group. And then we're a training provider. I've been on the phone all morning with students because people are getting interested in ResNet and an Energy Star again, and they're wanting to sign up for training. Thank you. Very interesting. Yeah, you're welcome. Going back to Sharla, what's sort of the current status? Let's talk about something really topical and timely. Has anything changed with the COVID pandemic and in the way ResNet approaches the work with SDC 200? I wouldn't say anything has changed in the way ResNet's approaching our work because uh, since we're a committee of volunteers, <laughs> we tend to work remotely with each other anyway. But we do have a lot of items on our plate this year. We are extremely busy this year with all of the new standards and the things that the other committees are working on that always trickles down to the training committee as well. We are working on incorporating all the changes for standard 301 and 380 into the training and certification portion of the standards. We are working on standard 310, which is the HVAC quality installation and grading. We are just getting ready to put out for public review a new certification for an energy modeler for ResNet. And we're expecting to start working on the water rating index standard 850. And then once the sampling standards items are completed, we're going to need to incorporate those into training and education and certification as well. So it's a very busy year and for the training and certification committee. Yes, the plate sounds very full. Guy, through you could give us an idea. How does the SDC, how do the chairs work with the board of directors of ResNet? Well, the board of directors, they kind of oversee ResNet's policies. And so this is kind of a different wing of ResNet. And so the policies do kind of guide and shape the various tasks that will come to the SDCs. And so there's a a group above us. So we're just the SDCs. We're just these standard development committees. Above us is the standards management board. And so really it's a job of the standards management board to be the liaison with the board of directors. So they identify the board of directors of policies and issues they want us to take up. The SMB, that standards management board, they decide which of those projects, they call them new work items, will be sent to us. And then they decide which of the committees get it. And so we kind of trust them to understand what the board of directors wants before they send it to us. 
Very good. For John, tell us a little bit about the board of directors and do you have a role on it or is yours also through the SMB? I'm on the board of directors. I'm vice president of the executive board. And Gaia, she's absolutely right. That's The board is to govern. The STCs are separate and the SMB then assigns the tasks to the STCs. But in the board of directors, then we're pretty much the governing body. In your work, John, uh, has anything changed with the delivery or the meetings and in the light of the communication and uh, changes might have come from the pandemic? A lot less in-person meetings. The executive committee, we voted early on this year to then cancel our in-person meetings for the board of directors for ResNet. And we're seeing a real trend in discussing with other organizations how that's going to probably continue at least into 2021. For ResNet, SDC 900, for our committee, we've seen a ResNet implemented COVID-19 changes, and they've affected the way quality assurance is being done currently with ResNet and the rating companies and the providers. And we're seeing much more online. It's actually promoting more so the online remote QA versus in-person QA. And not seeing how that's going to end up yet. But it's interesting to see that it pushed it ahead a little further than it probably would have gotten without COVID-19. Going back to Charlotte, are there any misconceptions or myths when you try to explain your role in your committee when you're talking? Do people really understand what the 200 does, the SDC 200? I'd say from an overall perspective, there's uh, some misconceptions about what SDCs in general do. People will receive a notification that an item is out for public comment which means that we're trying to make a change to the standards. We've come up with an item within our SDC, which is then called a preliminary draft standard. It goes out for public comment for all those interested in ResNet to make their comments on. One of the things that we see happen is that that people try to take that opportunity to comment on parts of the standard that are not changing as part of our preliminary draft standard. So what people need to know is that there is a way to go in and request a change to the standards. They can draft their own language, what they want to see in the standards, turn that in, and that ends up making its way from the standards management board to the proper SDC for consideration and for discussion and to determine how to fit that into the standards, which will then come back out for public comment. Making a suggestion to change the standards during the public comment period is not the appropriate time or place to do it unless you're commenting on specifically what has changed in the standard, which you can see because it's either underlined in red or struck through. (laughs) So those are the places to make the comments. Otherwise, turn in something and it will be evaluated. It will be discussed. It will be sent out for public comment because these are consensus standards. So we're trying to get a consensus of all of the ResNet community. Very good. Guy 3, do you have a comment on that? To Charlotte's point, even when I first started getting engaged into like the ResNet public comment process, I was definitely not aware that there was rules that you had to follow and you had to stay within the scope of what was actually changed. And so there's a lot of raters out there that aren't well versed in the gory details and not everyone needs to be. So what we did after the last couple months or so, we just created a suggestion box So that's on the ResNet website, and it's just a way for raiders out there or builders or whoever wants to chime in and give us ideas, but they just don't know how to do it. They don't know if it's an interpretation or if it's a public comment or how to propose a standard. They just know something's not working, and they want somebody to fix it. 
And so we thought it was important to give them an avenue to do that. So there's just a suggestion box. You just put your name, your email, and your suggestion. And then we'll see if a committee can take it up. I think the other misconception is that these are volunteers. These aren't paid ResNet staff that do this. It's just a bunch of subcommittees and committees and work groups of volunteers that are in the industry, just like every rater listening to this. And so if you want the work to get done, usually you have to put some effort into it. Otherwise, it's just sitting in a long queue of other projects that somebody else thinks is important. And it's not that the most important things get prioritized. It's the proposals where it has somebody that's willing to put pen to paper and write something. And so if that's you, then it'll get done. If you just have an idea and it's going to take research and a lot of writing, you can't just throw that at a committee and expect them to kind of pick it up. I mean, there's a lot in their plates. Can't just be a kernel of an idea. It's got to be more something more substantial. And John, you have something to enlighten us there. I'm going to speak on that as well. When people, there's a couple of different people we get. And we mentioned this in the lab interview. I hate that. That won't get a lot of consideration. But on the flip side of that, we've gotten a couple of years ago, even now, we're working on a lot of changes in the quality assurance. We got at one time 450 at one time comments. Out of 450 took months for our task groups to go through all the comments. And we've got some great comments. People spent some real time thoughtfully approaching the process and giving us a lot of good comments that we could use. And then we that made serious changes in the way that the direction of the task group went. We had always encouraged people to make the submit thoughtfully and just avoid the commentary. Because if it gets submitted as commentary, it really won't be considered. Charlotte, first, uh, you had some feedback on that aspect. I just wanted to also include that some people think that if they agree with everything that's in the standard that's been written and, and underlined and strike through, that they're done. And what I would like to say is we also appreciate positive comments where people say, yes, I agree with these changes. And I think this is a good idea because that we can weigh those against the ones that people who disagree and we can kind of determine where that consensus is. It's important to also speak up if you agree with the changes that are being made. Sure. Guy three, you had something? Yeah. And since we're on this thread, it doesn't really improve the persuasiveness of your comment to have 90 people just copy and paste your comment. It just slows the process down. And especially it's even worse when somebody's like, well, I'm just going to change one sentence out of five paragraphs because then the committee has to read that like it's a unique statement. And so what we encourage people to do, if you represent a large organization of some sort, just indicate that in your charging sentence and say, I represent 450 raters or whatever it is, and just do one group comment. So John, out of those 450, that one time, were there multiple posts there? Oh, yes. We don't get that very often, but when we do, Gaiathra's absolutely right. We'll get 20, 25 or more of really the same one. They just cut and pasted back in. And then we get a lot of people that are concerned about the typos. Staff, when we draft these changes, we've done a lot of work working with staff. Staff's done a great job with us. Uh, They're always on the calls with us and they're making those changes. And then we look for consistency in the way the changes are made. So they're applying across the board, and there's been a great improvement in that. So when you submit comments, work on the context 
of the change, not necessarily the typos and so forth. Grammar. There's got to be a structure also within the standards development committees in terms of subcommittees and working groups and things like that. Who would like to speak towards that? Charlo. These task groups are like pop-up groups. <laughs> you have a task group or a subcommittee for as long as you need it to discuss the item at hand, and then they disband. You can, if you're interested in working with an SDC, but you don't want to actually be a member and hold out a whole two-year term, you can actually sign up to be part of a task group and just work on the item that you're most interested in, and you do not have to actually become a standing member of the SDC. And where would one do that? Is there a special place to sign up, or do you just contact one of you to filter it through? You could contact one of the chairs that's found on the ResNet website. There's all of our contact information. Or you can contact someone at ResNet, and they will contact one of the chairs and let us know. And I can follow up on that. There is actually an active link on our ResNet committees page because we were looking for bodies to work on these subcommittees and these task groups like Charlotte mentioned. And so there is actually a link to an application. And we fielded a bunch of, after Steve Baden had sent that out earlier this year, we did receive a lot of interest in applicants. And we basically just looked to the subcommittees that needed the most help, who had the most on their plate to finish this year. And we kind of figure out what folks' interest was, if it's in ANSI 380 or in 301, and just kind of filter them to the right committees. So why would a new standard get created? Maybe you could talk about sound like there's a couple that are sort of on the plate that are moving through the organization. Why are those created and how do they end up sort of under your domain? And Gaithi, I think the couple are within yours right now. Sure, I can go first. I think it's good context to start with ANSI 301 and 380 because those were part of ResNet's MinHERS, which is always a proprietary standard. And so when ResNet got into the game of doing ANSI accredited standards, those were just chapters inside of MinHERS that were pulled out and developed as an ANSI standard. And so you do that when there isn't anything else in the industry that governs how to calculate an energy rating index or duck blaster tests. Like there wasn't a standard that did those things. Um, there were standards that did blower door testing, but not quite to the detail needed for dwelling units. And so those two standards were developed. The other reason is because the ResNet standard, the MinHERS, Mortgage Industry National HERS standard, is proprietary. And so if you want these standards to be referenced in codes like the IECC, you can't use a proprietary standard. You need to get that technical content that raters have been using for years into an ANSI standard. And so those two standards were created in that way. The one standard that's new to SDC 300 is that one that Charlotte was mentioning about HVAC 310. So that's going to be a collaboration of ANSI, ACA, and ResNet. And so that went through its public comment phase, and now it's being developed into a, a full-blown standard. Again, for those same reasons. You don't want it to be a proprietary standard. You want it to be able to be used by the more people in the industry as possible. And on that note, if you, through your tenure within ResNet, how long does it take for a standard to move? John's laughing. I'm going to let John answer because I don't think it's a funny answer here. The changes that we've made this year in quality assurance, for instance, was requested in 2014 by the board of directors. And that is part of the question that comes from the industry is why does it take so long? Well, the ANSI standard and the fact that we're not necessarily the ANSI standard, but the consensus basis of the way the SDCs are set up is one of the reasons it takes so long. Because when we draft it, 
then it gets approved by the committee in order to go out for public comment. Then once it goes out to public comment, if we get like we did, 450 comments, that took almost 18 months to go through every one because as STC chairs, we must review every single comment that comes in with a, using a task group or a subcommittee and then comment back. And then that goes back out again to public comment until we've exhausted those public comments. So that if right now, about six years, you can pretty much say that that's a good basis. And when you say comment back, you mean go out to the person that made the comment to make sure you understand it correctly and interact with them? They get a response from every single comment that they made. Not only that, if the comments end up changing the expected language, then that new language now goes back out for another round of public comment. And so that can extend that time frame. In your roles, do you feel like you are fully staffed with individuals to support your work or are you always in need? How are things? And I'll ask Guy three first. I think we, based on that recruitment effort by Steve earlier this year, I think we have enough bodies. The question is, everyone's schedules change so quickly. And so somebody who thought they'd have a couple hours a week to devote to helping write language all of a sudden doesn't, and especially with the recent pandemic, I think everyone's schedules changed. So I think right now we have enough people, but I think as we definitely have a big push this year, both the ANSI 301 and 380 standards get renewed every three years. And so in that three-year process, if there's interpretations that were submitted or addendum that were approved, we have to incorporate those. And also we usually have a long list of things, wish list items that we want to incorporate. And so because that public comment period takes a while to respond to all those commenters, we're targeting having a draft by the end of this year. So it's already the end of, you know, it's June. Sometime in the next six months, we need to have a, a revised draft of both those standards so that by December or so we can start public comment. The time frame for those is because it has to happen every three years. So we had the 2019 editions. We're trying to get our 2022 editions. And to account for a full year of public comment means we have to start by January so that they can get published in time. And this timeline has kind of been set a little bit backwards because we do want them always published in time for the 2024 or the next IECC code cycle. And so that's kind of the big push because we're sitting here in 2020, but 2024 ICC, the deadline for that is at the end of next year. And so we have to have it published and ready in time for that. Could any one of you speak towards the importance of tying in with that IECC cycle? I'm not sure if there a lot of raters are using it yet. There's a lot of states that haven't adopted the 2015 or the 2018 when the ERI path got included. I think the the big picture was we should have a modeling compliance pathway that's based on an energy rating index. And that's why ResNet was keen on getting it into the codes. I'm not sure if there are a lot of raters or builders that use it for code compliance, but the option is there. And I know with the 2021 IECC, there's some new movement towards higher performing buildings and net zero energy. I think there's a new appendix that's going to be based on the ERI. So I think there is traction in that area. But as of right now, in terms of code compliance, I don't think a lot of people are using it, but at least it's there. You're preparing for the future. And it's definitely the the arc has been set. You can almost predict where things are going to end up. So how much do you guys get paid for doing this? <laughs> Still waiting on the paycheck. <laughs> this is strictly a volunteer effort. <laughs> it's because we love it. 
It must be. And let's maybe talk about in terms of the love and how does it enhance your work, perhaps, to be on these committees? And I'll, I'll ask John to start. Teaching students all the time, I'm trying to use things that remind me of what I've learned in my life. I try to remind people is when you're in committees and you're doing the work that we're doing, for instance, we're part of the conversation. So if you're part of the conversation, then you have the right to speak up and you have the ability to make change. And so that is enhanced. And I've always joined committees and volunteered for these. And I've been on the STC before it was called the STC. I'm the last member left of the original Quality Assurance Committee. and I've enjoyed it, but it's also enhanced my ability to be able to have a conversation with new companies and new raters coming into the industry to tell them what truly the organization is about. And every once in a while, we'll get somebody to say, well, the SDC should be replaced by paid people or should be all experts. Well, I would always shy away from the word expert because expert is your target on your back, so to speak. You learn from the ditch digger you learn from the road scholar. We learn from our daily activities and you pass on relevance. I just say that the biggest part of being on these committees, the joy that I get is we are making changes and we do that through our participation. And in a way that road scholar is spelled R-O-A-D-S perhaps, <laughs> the ditch digger. <laughs> but on that very poor pun, we're going to shift to Charla, who's got a, an interesting comment here. <laughs> what I really enjoy in these committee meetings and what I get out of working within my committee and even across committees, we have cross-committee projects at times as well, is seeing something from another person's perspective, because we are so entrenched in what we do and how we do it at our companies and how we do it in our providerships that it just sometimes really surprises you when you find out, oh my gosh, they read it like that. Really? Somebody's doing it that way? And it just expands your knowledge base and your understanding of how things can happen across our entire industry. And just having that ability to see the work through someone else's paradigm is highly valuable to me. Well spoken. Excellent. Excellent. Sharla and John, obviously you're smaller companies, uh, is what it sounds like from your description. So you sort of have a lot of sway in terms of your involvement. But Guythrie, you work for a much larger company and they, they must see value to your activities in this role because it can't come without impacting some of your work time. Yep. This was actually, I mean, I wasn't on the original committees like John was, but it was a long process. So it started back in 2012. And at that point, it was through my contract with Energy Star that they felt that there was a need here to develop, to get in the development of a multifamily standard. And so that's kind of what started my role in it. And it kind of spiraled from there because having experience on these technical committees, I want to say Rick Dixon is an amazing standards manager. He's taught me so much. And he actually taught me that I really enjoy the committee-based process, the consensus-based process, learning Robert's rules and all these kind of intricate details that most normal people would not enjoy whatsoever. And I found that I actually enjoy it. And it's actually led me to want to work on other committees. And so I participate on some ASHRAE committees now. And I also kind of got my foot in the door in working on code development and going to those code hearings and things like that. So to John's point, somebody has to be interested in this because this is actually how you make change, right? You don't want to just complain about the rules are what the rules are. If you actually want to get involved and 
affect change, you have to learn the rules. And so I think I've gained that a lot from participating in all these committees. I feel like we've accomplished our task today, which was to introduce the uh, chairs of the STC, the three standards development committees. Anything you want to say in uh, closing thought, perhaps? John, we'll start. Thank you, uh, Bill, for moderating our time here. And I think this is my first podcast. Oh. I've enjoyed it. And I think it's a necessary means to get the information out to people these days. You hand somebody a book these days and they don't know what to do with it, unfortunately, but they will watch the podcast. Yep. So yep. if we get that message out that we're here to work with people and listen to what they have to say, and I'll tell you, those that get involved, I'm sure all the committees will say that a lot of times we see the same name sometimes, and uh, it's good to see new faces that are submitting comments, new names that we haven't seen before. So We've seen more participation the last couple of years than I've, I've ever seen. So that's good to see. I think that's part of it. It's the strength of the organization is growing and the impact. And that's great. Great closing comment. Thank you. Sharla? Yes, thank you for having me. I did. This was a lot of fun. I would say that I have people tell me sometimes I'm not sure what I could bring to this. So I'm not sure if I want to sign up because I don't know what I can bring, at least you can bring a fresh set of eyes, which really helps. I can tell you that. And if you have any interest at all or any better ideas, any interest in even just learning about the standards, joining a standards development committee is a really good way to do that. Excellent. And Guy 3. I think Sharla and John have said pretty much everything. I would just say to just follow up on it is just that you don't have to know all the rules. If you are interested and passionate about getting involved and wanting to change something, just dive in because I know my trainings in mechanical engineering, I was not trained to read a standard or write a standard and I rely heavily on the ResNet staff to teach me and educate me and they did. And so you don't have to come in here knowing everything and nobody's going to push you away and say, this is too tedious to teach you. If you're interested, they will definitely help you. And the resident staff is definitely been a great resource to us. Absolutely. I can attest to that too. It's Rick is an amazing guy as well as the other staff members who really bring it all together and keep the communication flowing for such a small staff. As was hinted at here, this was sort of a follow-up to the town hall meeting that was done at the conference back last February, but done for those people that couldn't attend and also for a little bit of update and maybe some reflection in between the time period in between. So I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast, and we look forward to speaking with you again, invading your ears, invading your headspace with some new ideas from ResNet. Take care, everyone. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast, and hopefully you learned a thing or two about the ResNet SDCs. It's important to note that ResNet board members and committee chairs are not positions paid by ResNet. The work that goes into developing and maintaining the technical standards is not funding by ResNet or any of the fees that you pay to ResNet as a rater. While some of ResNet staff support the committees, the majority of the technical work is accomplished by dozens of volunteers who either do this work on their personal times or sometime their employers fund their time in order to contribute to the standard development process. I want to thank you for listening in to this episode. I want to share with you a quote for today. It's by Lori Lightfoot, currently mayor of Chicago. Make no mistake about it. Change is hard, but change is necessary. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard today or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you're not subscribed, again, please do so. As always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. <laughs>